0: Testament book of Isaiah, the Old Testament book of Isaiah and chapter number 50, Isaiah and chapter number 50. Now we understand that we all have different personalities and we all have different aches and pains. Some of us have physical pain, some of us have emotional pain, some have spiritual pain. And it tells a lot about whom we're trusting when that pain gets to us. Do you know just because you're hurting you don't have to be grumpy about it? We know that whenever we feel pain, our flesh flares up. We have to fight our flesh even more because our flesh wants our way. You know when your flesh gets involved, you become more self-centered, more self-concerned. You look at you don't you fail to look at others and their needs because you're so attentive to your own. We know that this is a struggle we all have to fight with. But we're thankful for the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you wouldn't mind to take your time and open up the passage in Isaiah, your own personal copy of the Word of God, Isaiah in chapter number 50. Isaiah in chapter number 50. And I want to show you a prophecy of Christ. And I want to show you its fulfillment. Isaiah 50 And start with me, if you wouldn't mind, in verse number 4. Isaiah 50 and verse number 4. Notice what the Word of God says. Isaiah 50 and verse 4. The Lord hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He waketh in uh, morning by morning. He waketh in mine ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters, and to my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. He is ne- He is near that justifieth me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is mine adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God will help me. Who is he that shall condemn me? Lo, they all shall wax old as a garment. The moth shall eat them up. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in Isaiah 50? Isaiah 50 and verse number 4, the phrase, The tongue of the learned. The tongue of the learned. And we're going to see this fulfillment that this is what God called Jesus Christ, that he had the tongue of the learned. And it's going to be fulfilled when Jesus is on the cross. So if you wouldn't mind, maybe you would like to subtitle this, The Seven Sayings of Christ on the Cross. The Seven Sayings of Christ on the Cross. And we can see this prophecy, Tongue of the Learned. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You so much again for You being a wonderful God. And I thank You for the great God that You are. You are just so amazing and just so beyond our comprehension. And I thank You that You are the perfect example. Lord, we know that we all have pain. We all have things that go on in our life. I'm asking that You would help us to have this, the tongue of the learned, when people around us are weary and hurting themselves. Lord, I'm asking that you would just open this up in a special way. Take your Bible, make it come alive. That you would help me in a special way and that you would encourage your dear folks through the, your word. Lord, I don't want to even try to do anything in my own self. I beg that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. Just be God. In Jesus' name, amen. The Tongue of the Learned. I love the way how the Bible phrases things. The tongue of the learned. You know, when we develop the idea of even when we're hurting, that we're still looking out and trying to be a blessing to others, this is how the Bible phrases it. The tongue of the the learned. If you wouldn't mind, before we go to the seven sayings of the cross, let's look at this prophecy in Isaiah 50 and let's explore it a little bit and see what God says about it. Notice verse 4 The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the Lord. We know that, uh, the tongue of the learned. We know that this isn't of ourselves, it's us dying to self. And it's hard when our flesh is alive and our flesh is trying to take control. But it is God that gives us this tongue of the learned when we're dependent upon Him. That I should know how to speak a word in season to Him that is weary. You know, we have a phrase that we often say, <laughs> that hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. When people are hurting, they're more sharp with their tongue. They're more likely to try to hurt people and try to to make others be miserable. Someone said misery loves company. But God wants it to be that as we as Christians and followers after the Lord, that even if we're hurting, He wants us to know how to speak to those that are weary and hurting around us. That we can still be a blessing. That we can still try to help people during this time. Notice that we know how to speak a word to in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. Notice not even how to speak as as the learned, but to hear as the wor- learned. You know, we need to work on listening sometimes to hear what people are saying. Sometimes they could say more than just the words and we just have to listen to them. Verse number five. Now, all of this is going to be tying in to the Lord Jesus Christ, our perfect example. Verse five. The Lord God hath opened mine ear and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. Our flesh, we understand, is in a spiritual war against God. Sometimes. Our flesh doesn't want to be nice to people. Our flesh doesn't want to listen to others' problems when we're having problems ourselves. Our flesh rebels against it. And the, having the tongue of the learned, as Jesus is our perfect example, He said, I wasn't rebellious. I listened to others. Even though I was hurting myself and saying, you don't understand how bad I hurt. I still listen to others. I still try to hear what they're saying. I still try to find a way to be a blessing. In verse 6, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Now here it's starting to talk a little bit more of what Jesus went on the cross. Maybe I can give you a little reminder of what Jesus did on the cross and what He went through. Before He even went to the cross... He was beaten in a special way. They had a special whip called a cat of nine tails that had a whip with nine straps. And at the end of the straps, it had rocks or hooks. And it was made so that way when you would take the whip and lash it across the victim's back, those rocks and hooks that glass would actually pierce inside of the flesh and rip that flesh to shreds. Josephus, the first uh, century historian, said when someone took one lash of the scourge, you could take your finger and actually touch the bone of the victim. And Jesus had his back beat and whipped and torn until his back literally looked like hamburger meat but they weren't done they mocked him called him the king of the jews and they put on a robe around him that would soak up that blood that it was just shed they mocked him as king they put a crown of thorns and they beat it on his head they smite him on the face what they did is they put him almost like a gauntlet and they took their fist and they buffeted him on the face and then said who's the one to hit you now to a jewish man their beard was a symbol of stature and they literally took jesus beard and just ripped it off it wasn't a shave they just took it and ripped it with pieces of flesh coming along with it this is what this passage is predicting They beat Him. They mocked Him. They took off that robe as it began to dry, reopening those wounds once again. They nailed Him on the cross, which in history and all of history is still considered the most excruciating way to die. They put Him up on the cross. In order to do that, they nailed His feet down to a board up on the cross. Then they nailed His hands back in the Old Testament and those ancient days, Um, But the wrist was considered part of the hand. And inside of the wrist is what is called the median nerve. This nerve that runs all the way through your arm, around your elbow and back up. It's considered the most sensitive nerve in the body. If you hit your elbow just right and you get that nice tingling. We call it the funny bone, though it's not very funny when you hit it. They nailed a big railroad spike, a big spike, two, three inches through his hand, through his wrist, hitting that nerve and setting off all those electrical impulses. Then when someone was on the cross, it wasn't a nice smooth sanded wood, but it almost looked like one of those big railroad things with a lot of splinters, a lot of wood that would be sticking out. And when someone was on the cross, they usually died of suffocation, because as they were nailed up on the cross, their chest cavity would be hanging down and folded over. So in order to take a deep breath, they would have to lift up, take a breath, and then slide back down. As they did that, the bones would would crush even more, that nerve would twist. It's almost like taking a pliers and getting on that nerve and twisting. Of course, Jesus, because his back looked like hamburger meat, what would happen is that those spikes and splinters, every time he took a breath, would drive deeper into his wounded side, into his wounded back. All this time, they start gambling for his clothes. They mock him and say, if he saved others, how come he doesn't save himself? It is this where the prophecies came where he said, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. One of the things the Roman soldiers did is they spit in his face. Still today it's considered one of the most insulting ways to, to jeer at a person is to spit in their face. Now, if it was you or I being beat like that and we were righteous and meaning we weren't guilty of the crime and we would be putting up after a false trial and we were being railroaded would you have the tongue of the learned would you have the idea of speaking kindly to these people that you would turn your back and allow them to hit you again you would let your cheek and give them your cheek so they could pluck out your beard and you wouldn't you would guard your words at that time That would be against most of our flesh. Most of us would be saying, you listen here, you don't know who you're messing with. God's going to get after you. We would like to rail back and we'd like to tell Him what for. But Jesus had the tongue of the learned. When He is suffering one of the most excruciating, painful ways to die, He had the tongue of the learned. It goes on in verse 7, For the Lord will help me Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I sent my face like a flint. He says, I'm hardening my face. I'm not going to give in and, and and tell them how much I'm hurting, I'm not going to go back and, and jeer and yell at them, I'm going to sit my face like a flint, and I know that I sh- shall not be ashamed. He says, I know I'm doing what's right. When I had the tongue of the Lord, when I control my tongue, when I make it so even though I'm hurting, I'm not lashing out at others, I know that I'm doing right and I'm not going to be ashamed for my behavior. Have you ever been ashamed of something you said when you were hurting? and you wish you could have took it back and you knew you shouldn't have said it or maybe you said the right thing but you said it with an attitude and said it in a different way and you knew it shouldn't have come out that way Jesus said as this prophecy goes on he didn't say anything that would make him ashamed later on that I shouldn't have said that everything he said was correct verse number 8 he is near that justifieth me who will contend with me let us stand together You know, Jesus is not just standing by himself and saying, I'm doing something that you can't do. He says, let's stand together. Let others who are hurting have the tongue of the learned by depending upon the Lord. Who is mine adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God will help me. Who is he that condemned me? Lo, they shall all wax old as a garment and the moth shall eat him up he says i'm going to let god take care of it it's not my responsibility to get back at him i'm going to let god take care of him now again this is just prophecy Let's see the New Testament fulfillment. Let's look at the seven sayings on the cross. I want you to imagine in your mind's eye, the best you can, the excruciating pain that Jesus is in. I want you to imagine the blood running from His back. I want you to imagine those splinters running in His side. I want you to imagine that He's having a hard time breathing. I want you to imagine that His beard is burning or His face is burning where they pucked out His beard. I want you to imagine Imagine the sharp electrical pain every time he moves his wrist just a little bit. And yet, how he still, as the prophecy says, has the tongue of a learned. That he's still concerned for others while he's on the cross. Turn with me, if you wouldn't mind, and let's look at some of these seven sayings. Look with me, first of all, the gospel record of Luke in verse 23. Luke in 23. And as far as I can tell, I believe that this is in chronological order of how it happened, His sayings, one by one, I'm on the cross. Notice with me, if you wouldn't mind, Luke 23. Luke 23, and notice with me in verse 34. Luke 23 in verse 34. Jesus is on the cross. Jesus is being beaten. He's being battered. They're gambling for His clothes. They've insulted Him. They've railed on Him. So what does Jesus say on the cross? Luke 23 and verse 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. They're insulting Jesus by gambling for his clothes. They've already put him up on the cross. And Jesus, having the tongue of the learned, he's asking God to forgive them. He's asking God to forgive them. When someone's doing you wrong, do you have the tongue of the learned? Are you willing to forgive them right then and there instead of just carry it for a couple minutes and carry it for a couple hours or give you a couple days to get over it? They're beating Him right now, currently, in the present tense. They are crucifying now. They are insulting Him now and in the midst of them gambling for his clothes, stealing his stuff. He's saying, Lord, forgive them. I'm not holding a grudge. God, I want them to be saved. God, I don't want them to go to hell. God, I don't want them to be punished by you. Lord, forgive them. Are you a type of person with the Lord's help? Remember, it's not us. It's not natural, but with the Lord's help. Have you had the tongue of the learned where you're able to forgive someone the instant someone's insulting you are you able to forgive people instantly and have that mind of Christ or in your mind's eye do you wish do you imagine them in a car wreck you imagine something horrible happening and befalling on them Jesus had the tongue of the learned and he was able to forgive them the moment they were doing it having the tongue of the learned Notice, if you wouldn't mind, another saying of Jesus on the cross. What is Jesus' attitude? What is He talking about? He's up on the cross. The Bible records what is happening, what He says. And His sayings are so important, fulfilling the prophecy of the tongue of to the learned. Most of the time when we're, uh, when we're hurting, we're so concerned about ourselves, we don't care about others. Notice with me John 19, and let's see what Jesus is thinking about, and what He's saying on the cross. John 19, verse 26. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple, that's John, standing by whom he loved, he said, saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. Jesus is dying on the cross. It's finally died down enough where John the beloved disciple and Mary, the mother of Christ, come up and they feel brave enough that they could come to Jesus. When Jesus sees them come up, you know, he's hurting, He's, he's dying on the cross and it's excruciating death, he's in a lot of pain. But you know what he does? He tries to take care of his mother. In the midst of him dying, he tries to make sure his mother is taken care of for when he dies. You see, that's a selfless act. He's not thinking of himself. He's trying to take care of his mother. Saying, John, take care of mom. You take care of it. It's your responsibility now. Will you do this for me? And he did. And he did. So when Jesus is dying on the cross, he had the tongue of the learned. He's able to forgive them instantly. When he's up on the cross, he has the tongue of the learned. He's able to look past himself and still try to take care of the loved ones around him even though he's hurting in a pain that none of us could really understand the tongue of the learned notice with me where we're John chapter 28 notice something else he says John 28 or John 19 verse 28 John 19 28 after this Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished that the scriptures might be fulfilled saith I thirst now this is a significant saying because Jesus is actually in physical pain. He's already lost so much blood that his uh, heart is having to pump harder to pump what's little, uh, what fluid is left in his body to help pump it through the rest of his body. To help kind of keep him alive. Because he's already lost so much volume of blood. He's already become so thirsty. His mouth is dried. His tongue is beginning to swell up. And this is showing that he is suffering. It's not that... He wasn't human. You know Jesus was 100% human as well as 100% God. That pain wasn't any less to him because he was Jesus. In fact, it may have been so much more. He was feeling the pain. He was feeling the suffering. It hurt him. And when he said thirst, he is actually saying it's hurting. Uh, There is a physical ramification of his pain. He's he's not just ignoring his pain. He's acknowledging he is hurt. I thirst. I thirst. You know, there's nothing wrong. Some of us make lots of noises when we stand up. doesn't mean that we're any less human. We do hurt. We do have aches and pains. But it's how we react from that pain that deals with the tongue of the learn. He didn't feel pain any less. He still felt every bit of it. Notice as we go on another saying. Notice of the gospel record of Luke in 23. Luke in 23. The tongue of the learned. Jesus is dying. He's suffering. He even said, I thirst. He knows the physical turmoil His body is going through. And He says, I thirst. What else is he concerned about while he's on the cross? Look, Notice with me the gospel record of Luke in 23. Luke 23 and notice with me 43. Oh, for context's sake, let's go ahead and go for verse 39. Luke 23 and verse 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive our due reward out of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise." You know, he's hurting, he's in pain, but he's still trying to win people to the Lord. And this thief received salvation. We're going to see this thief up in heaven now. What's even more amazing is that a couple minutes before, this same thief was also railing on him. Both thieves were making fun of Jesus. This one finally woke up and said, you know what? I don't think this is, I think this is really the son of God. And on the cross, this thief got saved. On this cross, this thief said, Stop making fun of him. Don't you realize we're going to meet God and we better make sure that we're right with him. Please, will you make sure that I'm I'm going to heaven? Will you think of me? Will you save me? Jesus, even though he was in pain, still was concerned for souls. You know, for a lot of us, it doesn't take much for us to lose our concern for souls. Cold weather maybe a little bit of back pain, maybe a little bit of trouble, maybe a distraction or something. But Jesus, even though He's in excruciating pain, is still wanting to see people get saved, still wanting people to go up to heaven, still wanting people to have forgiveness of sins while He's on the cross. Notice, if you wouldn't mind, another saying, the tongue of the learned. Matthew chapter 27, if you wouldn't mind. Matthew 27 Jesus, He's in lots of pain, but He still at that moment is willing to forgive them. Jesus is in lots of pain, but He's able to look out and want to take care of others He loves so much. He's in lots of pain and He proves it by just saying, I thirst, expressing that He is going through physical pain. He's in lots of pain and lots of things, but He's still trying to get people to go to heaven and have forgiveness of sins. Matthew 27 and verse 46 27 and 46, notice what he says. In about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, Lama Shabbat That is to say, My God, My God, why hast Thou forsaken Me? Just like Jesus is going through spiritual pain, or physical pain, He's also going through spiritual pain. At this moment in time that God the Father has turned His back, and because God cannot be in the presence of sin, he has to turn his back on Jesus because at this point Jesus is bearing the sins of the entire world. And this isn't just a blanket sin. He actually has you on his mind and me on his mind. It's almost like taking someone and going through their entire life and every sin they've ever committed, he feels that weight. And then it goes on to the next person until he covers every single person who ever lived and every person who would ever live. And at that point in time, he bears the weight of every single sin of every single person. And it is at that moment in time that God spiritually turns his back and Jesus feels what it's like to have the presence of God removed. Now you say, isn't he God? He is. Can you explain it? No, I can't. But I do know what hell is like. That hell is the absence of God's favor and presence removed for all eternity. I understand that there's real fire and there's real brimstone. But what makes it worse is that God hath withdrew his spirit. And Jesus is feeling the weight of that punishment, that separation from God at that one moment in time. And it was so agonizing. It is worse than the physical pain. Where he has to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because the spiritual pain is now outweighed and exceeded the physical pain. Jesus is going through this pain physically and spiritually. And he says says something else upon the cross. Notice with me John chapter 19. John chapter 19. John 19 and verse 30. Again, I cannot overemphasize, I can't explain the amount of physical and spiritual torment that Jesus went through on the cross. And in John chapter 19 and verse 30, we see Him say this. John 19 and 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, He said, It is finished And he bowed up his head and gave up the ghost. He said, it is finished. Now, this may not have too much significance until you realize Jesus didn't have to be on the cross. He was still God and at any moment he could have stepped down from the cross. At any moment, He could have said, forget this, I give up. Now, I want to remind you, the physical pain and the physical torment that Jesus is going through, and He didn't have to, He chose to, because He loved you and me. They say one of the biggest problems that they have with people with chronic pain is when they get a little bit of relief And then they start hurting again. And they know the pain that they're going to go to. This is why some of the people start getting hooked on prescription medicines. Because they don't want to go through that pain anymore. Pain is so horrible. If you had a choice of not going through some of your pain, whether it's physical or spiritual or emotional, would you choose not to do it? I mean, some of the things that have messed with you in your life. But Jesus willingly allowed those men to torture Him, to beat Him, to pluck His beard. When He's dying on the cross and He's feeling every twinge of electricity going through His arm, when He's feeling those spikes, when He's having a hard time breathing, can you imagine someone holding your your face underwater? How long would you let them do it before you started fighting with everything you had? Jesus instead of fighting for his life, willingly stayed on the cross because he loved you and he loved me that much. He stayed until it was finished. You know, even though he was hurting, he finished the job he was sent to do. Maybe it's not a matter of the tongue of the learn for you, Maybe it's an idea that when you're hurting, you have a hard time finishing what you're supposed to do, whether it's physical, spiritual, or emotional pain. But Jesus finished it. He finished it. He didn't have to. He chose to go through all of that. Now, for us, we have the choice. Do we finish what we're supposed to do or do we give up and just say, I want to stare at the ceiling, I don't want to move, I don't want to do anything? Do we give up and just kind of just collapse in this is that prophecy of jesus being the tongue of the learned it's an amazing prophecy there's one more prophecy or one more saying that jesus said on the cross that was number six number seven would be found in the gospel record of luke in 23 again luke 23 luke 23 the tongue of the learned the tongue of Of the learn. Notice if you wouldn't mind. In verse 46. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice. He said. Father. Into my hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus. He gave up the ghost. Now when the centurion saw what was done. He glorified God saying. Certainly. Certainly. This was a righteous man. Now, this is important. Jesus said, God, I'm trusting you. With my last breath, I'm giving you my spirit. I'm trusting in you. When the centurion saw this, and because of what Jesus said, he said, this is a man who trusted God to the very end. With the tongue of the learned, that's what we have. We trust God To the very end, so much that others have no doubt. And they said, this is a man. This is a woman. This is someone that even though they were hurting, even though they were in such pain, whether it was physical or emotional or spiritual, whatever pain, this is a person that to the end, they trusted God. They trusted God. This is that tongue of the learned. I want to remind you once again, this is not natural this is not what our flesh does our flesh does opposite of all of that but when we die to self even when we're in pain and we trust in god god can give us the tongue of the learned and we're able to trust in him we're able to deal with him we're able to work now at this point i want to remind you Why did Jesus die on the cross? Why do we talk about this? Is it just because he suffered just to say, this is how to live a good life? No, it's happened to be a byproduct. Why did Jesus die on the cross? To give us forgiveness of sins. That is the only way we get to heaven. We don't go to heaven because we go to church. We don't go to heaven because we're a good person. We don't go to heaven because we call ourselves a Christian. We go to heaven because of the finished work of Jesus upon the cross of Calvary, that He died for my sins and He died for your sins, and that He died on the cross to pay that price we owed God. Let me tell you the good news. Jesus didn't stay dead. On the third day, Jesus arose from the grave, and He's alive forevermore. And when He arose from the grave, it proved two things. It proved that Jesus was indeed God, and then it proved that God was satisfied with the payment that was made, that Jesus paid that price. And let me tell you, dear friend, that if you've never had your sins forgiven, you've never come to the place where you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, let me tell you, the work is already done. All you have to do is trust in Him. Romans 10.13 For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you have never received that forgiveness of sins let me tell you that Jesus has given it to you right now as a gift. All you have to do is receive it. Romans ten six twenty three. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus did all the work. All you have to do is trust in Him and trust in Him alone. For those of you who are saved, we've got a lot of work to do. This isn't natural. Our natural flesh wants to be grumpy, hurting people hurt people. Our natural flesh doesn't want to help people. It wants people to say, look how bad we're suffering. Look how bad we're hurting. Our natural flesh doesn't care about the souls of others. We're just concerned about ourselves. We don't care about family members. Our flesh doesn't want to continue with things that we're supposed to be doing. It wants to give up and lay down and just make the pain stop. But when you die to self and God fills you with his Spirit and God helps you along, you could have the tongue of the learned. Why? What what's so big about this? Because just like that centurion, there's others that are watching our lives. And Christians should suffer differently than other people. Now notice I said Christians should suffer differently. It doesn't mean we have an absence of suffering, it just means we suffer differently because we have a great God enables us, who helps us. And when others watch our suffering and watch that we still have faith to God, it draws them to our God. They said they have something different. This is something we have to work on, having the tongue of the learned. How do we work on it? By dying to self and saying, God, you help me. You take over. You get it job done. It is an amazing prophecy, the tongue Of the learned.